Hello, and welcome to Gender Forking. Wow, that's great. We should use it in every episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is our podcast about stephanie meyer's gender swap twilight life and death released in 2015 my name is sam and my name is Lori. <laughs> um and we are going to read life and death for the very first time on the air we'll give you our thoughts <laughs> and, our and we'll have many <laughs> sam is a 22 year old aries living in southern maine but on her way to grad school in sussex England. <laughs> um, oh, your radio voice is great. Thank you. <laughs> That's me. That's Sam. <laughs> That's all and you need to know. Lori is a 22-year-old Pisces from Florida, currently in Maine, on her way to San Diego uh, for also grad school in women's studies. We are both going into women's studies programs. So the title of our podcast has an obvious reference to Forks in it and forking um but the term gender forking is a play on gender fucking which is a concept introduced in queer theory in a piece called gender fucking or fucking gender current cultural contributions to theories of gender blending by stephen whittle who researched at the manchester metropolitan university um and the general idea of that is pretty well summed up in i think a quote um in the beginning of this and says queer means to fuck with gender that's where we're pulling our title gender forking from (laughs) yeah it's probably best to start off um our podcast with a little bit of backstory on our relationships with the twilight saga um disclaimer we love it (laughs) we love it a lot (laughs) three twilight positive podcast no twilight well some twilight bashing here but in a in a loving way so um we are both recent um college graduates of of gender studies programs so our favorite thing to talk about is gender and our other favorite thing to talk about is twilight so we're very excited to be bringing these two things together in a hopefully cohesive way (laughs) yes so my first exposure to twilight was in middle school um and i i don't know the exact timing but i do know that breaking dawn was not released yet i don't know about the movie timeline i'm not sure about the movie timeline and how that all unfolded but I remember reading Twilight, New Moon, and Eclipse, and then having to wait a not that long period of time to read Breaking Dawn, and I was a huge fan, and went through the traditional anti-Twilight phase, fell back into Twilight after um, years, um, probably two years ago in college, and have watched the first Twilight movie. I would estimate around 20 times in the last two calendar years. <laughs> just the first just movie. The first just the alone. first movie alone. And yeah. I've watched the others as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, mine was similar. I feel like maybe you started reading it before me. We didn't know each other back then. We met in college. But I read the first Twilight book when I was, I think, 13. The first movie was out, but the second movie was not out. I'm not sure where the books were on that. I don't Maybe Maybe Breaking Dawn was not out, I think, at that point. Um, I was obsessed with it. I was in love with Edward Cullen. Um, Kind of the whole stereotypical shebang, I think. I was fresh out of a Jonas Brothers obsession, so this was my new thing. (laughs) 
And it was sort of short-lived because, and then I also went into that, like, Twilight hating phase um, that I think a lot of us go through. We should, we can unpack that a little bit. We can unpack that. Too, because that's a very gendered experience, and we're all about gender here on Gender Forking. (laughs) (laughs) I would also say that I have also been fiercely Team Edward from the beginning. Yes, we are both still Um, Team Edward. And and remain so. (laughs) And maybe life and death will change some of my feelings on Jacob, but, um, doubt it. (laughs) We are already running Can into... we swear? We should swear, yeah. but then leave it out. Yeah. If this is a family-friendly family show, friendly show about gender fucking. We want it to be appropriate for Edward Cullen's delicate years. <laughs> it's accessible. <laughs> We're already running into some curiosity about what would unfold in later books, and unfortunately we do know that Stephanie Meyer has not released any gender-swap versions of New Moon Eclipse or Breaking Dawn, tragically, but... There's some really interesting points to be made about those, which we'll arrive to, I'm sure, along the yeah, way. Yeah, I have a lot of feelings about that already. Um, it's interesting, I mean, I guess if we're just going to get into, like, the the discourse of this being a gender-swapped book, and it's, like, not even not even fan fiction, like, this is, yeah. this is canonically gender-swapped yeah. by the Stephanie Meyer. I feel like, th- I mean, just the fact that it exists really could i mean if if say these books were released at the same time twilight and life and death i think that would be um that would change everything because it's so traditionally a book that was sought after by young teenage girls and moms also um but um women and and girls um almost exclusively um and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that that bella is a girl and um that like there were a lot of identifiable female um characters uh in the books and that would change a lot i'm not sure i don't know if i'm curious to see if life and death if who i relate to more Mm -hmm. in the story i'm wondering and also i mean that'll change because i'm this is 10 years after first reading twilight yeah i think that the time time lapse in between the release of the original series and this book also it um allows stephanie meyer a little bit of room to be a different person obviously that's a long period of time but also to respond a lot to what the like perception of twilight has been right um because it doesn't exist the reason that she wrote this was because people were like oh it's so gendered and like of course it is everything is gendered and that's fine um i mean we're here to impact that but i mean we can talk a little bit about the what's it the forward here the introduction to life and death um she says some interesting things about why she wrote it. This is the only part of the book that we have read. She says some interesting things about why she decided to write it and then the choices that she made in terms of gender swapping. So, yeah. All right. So it starts out, and this is in Stephanie Meyer's own words. Hello, lovely reader. As you may know, 2015 marked the 10th anniversary of Twilight. To celebrate this milestone, I decided to create a reimagining of the original story. As I was musing on Twilight after being away from it for so long, I started thinking about something I'd said many times before at signings and in interviews. You know, Bella's always gotten a lot of censure for being rescued on multiple occasions, and people have complained about her being a typical damsel in distress. My answer has always been that Bella is a human in distress, a normal human being surrounded on all sides by people who are basically superheroes and supervillains. She's also been criticized for being too consumed with her love interest, as if that's somehow just a girl thing. I have some thoughts. Yeah, I <laughs> Wait, need to okay. unpack that. <laughs> How, who whomst is more obsessed with their love interest, Edward or Bella? Edward. Edward. <laughs> yeah. Also, Jacob. Jacob? Yeah. Um, I think that's... 
I mean, I, I think that this will be something that comes up a lot when we're reading it, is Stephanie Meyer's sort of like, if I just swap the genders and I say that it's no different, then it won't be any different, completely ignoring like the social context in which it exists and in which her writing exists. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but I've always maintained that it would have made no difference if the human were male and the vampire female. It's still the same story. Gender and species aside, Twilight has always been a story about the magic and obsession and frenzy of first love. There isn't much difference at all between a human... Okay. A female (laughs) human in love with a male vampire and a male human in love with a female vampire. And that's how Bo and Edith were born. (laughs) Okay, can I just say yes and? (laughs) (laughs) Like, yes, it is a human experience, but also those things are very coded culturally. Like, it's going to read very different. It's going yeah. to feel very different to read it, um, which is fine. And I, I think it's just kind of um, silly that she felt so strongly about this. Also, I think it's important that we note that the very concept of gender swapping is sort of perhaps reinforcing mm. this binary of, of only men and women um, and saying that, like, I don't know, that they're opposites and that, that like... Uh, I don't know. There's something to be swapped. Yeah, it's very reductive to just say gender swap. Like, first of all, it goes on the assumption, and I guess Stephanie Meyer didn't write it any differently, that all of her characters are cis, I guess. Yeah, they're all cisgendered. And they're all straight, apparently. Like, that's fake. Yeah. But (laughs) in what world? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that's another thing, too, because, like, if you just swap, if you swapped, I don't know, just some of the the genders, um, and we had, like, some same-sex romantic relationships, um, that would definitely change it a lot as well. Um, and that's undeniable. And it's not just because of, like, sexual orientation. It's because of gender, mm-hmm. too. Like, all those things um, definitely play into, obviously, real life, but also how, how this book will read. I find the next part of the foreword <laughs> hmm, illuminating on Stephanie Meyer's thoughts on gender swapping. So she starts with a couple of notes on the conversion. Um, she says... I've done a pretty straight-across-the-board gender swap with all the Twilight characters, but there are two exceptions. The biggest exception is Charlie and Renee, who have stayed Charlie and Renee. So, for those who aren't familiar, Charlie and Renee are Bella, now Beau's parents. And here's the reason for that. Beau was born in 1987. It was a rare thing for a father to get primary custody of a child in those days, even more so when the child was just a baby. Most likely, the mother would have had to be proven unfit in some way. I have a really hard time believing that any judge at that time or even now would give a child to a transient, unemployed father over a mother with a steady job and strong ties to the community. Of course, these days, if Charlie had fought for Bella, he probably could have taken her from Renee. Thus, the more unlikely scenario is the one that plays out in Twilight. Only the fact that a few decades ago, a mother's rights were considered more important than a father's rights, as well as the fact that Charlie's not the vindictive type, made it possible for Renee to raise Bella. And in this case, now Beau. (laughs) where to begin (laughs) yeah i mean she's not she's not wrong um like historically that might be true but also you're writing a book about vampires so like what's realistic yeah you can change so many things in your world and the one thing that you won't change is gender gender of parents because you don't think the custody is believable also i think it kind of plays into that still very like permeating stereotype that fathers have a hard time getting custody over their children which is actually very untrue and in most cases if fathers the the cases that fathers feel like they can't ask for custody and when they do they are overwhelmingly given custody of Mm, children yeah um 
I think that that would have been a more interesting take and changed yeah. so many things around the house. Absolutely. But there will still be interesting dynamics between a father's son instead of a daughter. Yeah. Father. It also would have been interesting to see Charlie as a woman chief of police in a small town. Yeah. I, don't, I think it would also be interesting to explore Renee's character as like a flighty um, father. Yeah. I think that that is going to be a little more relatable maybe to a lot Absolutely. more people. Yeah. Or would have been more relatable been. to a lot of people um, other than like a flighty mother because I... I because I feel like a lot of people yeah. have more um, flighty mother reads more like um, eccentric. Yeah. Um, even though it's 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 deeper than that for yeah. Bella, but um, a flighty father is tragic and, and all psychologically and, damaging. And, yeah. And, yeah. You run into the daddy issues thing, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, then the second exception to the gender swapping is very small, just a few background characters mentioned only twice. The reason for this exception is my misplaced sense of justice for fictional people. There were two characters in the wider Twilight universe who really got the shaft, in an ongoing sense. So instead of doing a swap with these characters, I gave them a coup. It adds nothing to the story. It was just me being weird and indulging my neurosis. She does not list who these characters are. And um, what an irresponsible use of the term neurosis. But um, she doesn't list who these characters are. I think it's kind of going to be a surprise. Mm. to us yes i can't imagine who these characters are yeah we know nothing we know the names of of um the gender swapped bella and edward and we know jacob but i don't think we we purposely didn't learn anything else i'm so excited to learn what these people's names are we're gonna keep a running list so that we can reference and remember and if you're listening along at home (laughs) um you might want to do something similar as well because this is i'm sure going to be very confusing i think that she made intentional choices as to not turn let me say this right to not turn characters names into names of characters that were in the original series so for example she wouldn't turn Jacob into Jessica. Jacob into Jessica yeah. because there is a Jessica in the original series. Yeah. So I think that the names do become a little eccentric. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I read something <laughs> recently on Tumblr about her choice to spell Edith the way that she does. And it's literally just because she wanted to put the Y in there. Yeah. <laughs> and she just thought it was more fancy and, and cool. like, it is. And I love it. Right. <laughs> it's very dramatic. It's yeah. a fitting name for Edith yeah. Cullen. So moving on with the foreword, there are many more changes in the writing that were necessitated by Bo's status as a male person. So I thought <laughs> I was male person. <laughs> I'm not a female person. I'm a I'm a real female person is a oh, thing that I God. hear a lot of drag queens say. Um, <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> but um interesting choice of words. Oblivious. <laughs> yeah. I bet Stephanie Meyer is completely oblivious to drag culture, but <laughs> uh, this would be such a great drag. There would be a great drag Drag Twilight, Twilight would be great. Oh, it sparkles. Highlight. It'd be so much better than probably <laughs> to the gods. Let's do it. Um, so I thought I would break them down for you. These are, of course, rough estimates. I did not count all the words I changed, nor do any math, actual math. So she <laughs> says, 5% of the changes I made were because Bo is a boy. That is the most vague sentence yes. that I have ever heard. Because... It's like, why are why? the changes necessary? What changes are they? Like, that's a blanket statement yeah. that covers some of the other things that she's going to mention, I think. But also, what does that... What does that mean? That's something that I would love to ask. Five um, percent of the changes were because Bo's personality developed just slightly different than Bella's. The biggest variations are that he's more OCD. Again, 
irresponsible yes. use of the term Let's OCD. I assume, unless she's talking about clinical OCD, but I doubt it. I doubt that she added mental illness to the mix of this book. Probably not. <laughs> he's not nearly so flowery with his words and thoughts, and he's not as angry. He's totally missing the chip Bella carries around on her shoulder all the time. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> not as flowery with words. Like Yeah. It's like, because cause he's a boy. Yeah. Okay. I bet he has bad handwriting, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 70% of the changes I made were because I was allowed to do a new editing run 10 years later. I got to fix almost every word that has bothered me since the word book was printed, and it was glorious. So that's what we touched on earlier. 10% were things I wished I had done the first time around that hadn't occurred to me at the time. This might sound like exactly the same thing as the preceding ca- category, but it's slightly different. This isn't a case of a word that sounds clunky or awkward. This is an idea I wish had been explored earlier or conversations that should have happened but didn't. That sounds like deleted scenes. Yeah, which, which is great. great. I'm so excited for that. 5% were mythology issues, mistakes actually mostly related to visions. Um... This is a great reason for that. As I continued yeah. into the sequel to Twilight and even Midnight Sun, when I got to look inside Alice's head with Edward, the way Alice's visions worked um, was refined, and it's more mystical than in Twilight, and looking at it now, there are ways she should have been involved and wasn't. Whoops. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, which leaves a 5% catch-all for the many miscellaneous changes that I made, each for a different and no doubt selfish reason. So those are all the different reasons. I hope you have fun with Bo and Edith's story. I truly had the best time ever creating this new version. I love Bo and Edith with a passion I did not see coming, and their story has made the fictional world of Forks fresh and happy for me again. I hope it does the same for you. If you get one-tenth of the pleasure out of reading this that I did writing it, clunky, it will be (laughs) worth it. Thank you for reading. Thank you for being a part of this world. And thank you for being such an amazing and unexpected source of joy in my life for the last decade. Much wow. love, Stephanie. You're welcome, Stephanie. You're welcome. And you will see me, well, you won't see me roll my eyes, but you will hear me groan after I say some things about Stephanie Meyer. But I love her like the harebrained erratic mother <laughs> that ran off to Jacksonville, Florida. With Phil. Uh, with Phil. Oh, my gosh. I it's, do. Yeah. You do you, Stephanie. But you do you. I'm going to do me. We'll do us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll repeat yeah. this, which was just said by someone who's um, adjacent to us. Adjacent to <laughs> us right now. Um, but it, if Charlie and Renee are the ones that are left unswapped, then... She said, well, she did talk about a, a small number that are not swapped. Is that yeah. what she said? Yeah. So we're wondering if Phil is going to be one Phil of them. Phil is going to be... I'd be so shocked. I would be I would be upset that no one had told me yet. Yes. If that's Phil true. was a woman in this case and yes. that Bella's mom ran away and became a, a Florida lesbian. I doubt that that's the take that Stephanie yeah. Meyer wanted to take with this, with this new version of Twilight. Yeah. I would love that. I have a lot of curiosities about what the books would be like if the rest of the series were gender swapped, quote unquote. Um, one thing that I really would love to see um, is how this plays out with the wolves and having an almost all woman wolf pack. Mm-hmm. I think that I personally would be much more interested in that story yeah. line. Um, kind of reminds me of like Diana the Huntress. And yeah, like how cool that's really I thought cool. that was when I was a kid. And like, do men need a yeah. model of masculinity that includes like? Running around and ripping your shirt off? No, but do I? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And another thing that I haven't thought about until this moment is the Volturi, and mm. if she would change mm. the gender of, of the three in charge. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Vampires in media have often been women. 
That's true. And like, in queer media, they've yeah. been seductresses, they've been lesbians, they've been vampires, and you're telling me that none of the vulturi <laughs> are, are queer women? Like, I don't buy it. Yeah, but... it's like, if you live forever, you're not, you don't have those, you don't have the boundaries that you had before. <laughs> right. Like, you're living through every revolution in the world and yeah. telling me that you're going to stay, like, the same. Maybe that's why they're the bad guys, though. Maybe. Maybe they're... But also, I don't think it's that deep intentionally it's not that deep (laughs) should we talk about like goals sure or something yeah i one of my goals for this podcast is to maybe apply that piece gender fucking or fucking gender um to this novel and see if that can give us any insight as to how this reads um as a piece of literature as a piece of pop culture as a highly gendered piece, no doubt. One of my goals is to inspire more people to revisit the saga because yes. I'm sure that we'll have people that are listening that have not critically thought about Twilight in their adulthood. Yeah. Maybe. Um, or have been so far removed from the series that they haven't taken another look at the writing or taken another look at even the films because I think that... A lot of us were yeah. shamed out of enjoying it um, at a young age. Um, the friends that we have turned back onto the series have sort of gone through this with us and realized that, like, oh, this is actually really entertaining and something that we can still enjoy um, at a later part in life. And perhaps that is because we were sort of bullied out of it um, as young teenagers, young girls. Um, And I think there's a lot of value in in examining why that that happens. And there's a lot, I think there's a lot of pretty good discourse on that already out there, but... Yeah. One of the most important things that has drawn me back to who I am right now with Twilight, my relationship with Twilight is a professor that I had at, at um, school who in our senior seminar for women's gender and sexuality studies assigned us to watch Twilight and then read two critical pieces on Twilight. And then she posed the question in class to um, probably six students that day. Um, is Twilight feminist and then didn't participate in the discussion herself (laughs) and um, felt so attacked as a Twilight fan in that moment because everyone was saying, like, no, of course not. And I was saying, like, I wasn't saying, like, yes, Twilight's a feminist anthem, but, like, or, or, like, manifesto, but um, I don't think it matters. And that was kind of the takeaway from that class is that you don't have to (laughs) be a progressive piece of media or, like, a meaningful piece of media to just analyze it for gender and doesn't have to be like something that you and we're we're allowed to enjoy things that aren't um like feminist icons Mm -hmm. um and it's i think distinctly unfeminist to to police that sort of thing especially when pop culture is unavoidable and it's meant to be there to entertain and enjoy us even though hypothetically or arguably can like like further encode those things um but that's not really that's not really where we're going with this (laughs) yeah that's not where we're going so shout out to jenny for that one yeah one of our goals is to read through the book together and finish it um it's it'll be my first time reading life and death and um some oh some background on other things in the twilight saga that might be relevant is that i've just recently reread the excerpt of midnight sun which is part of twilight the first 13 chapters of twilight i believe read from or written from Edward's perspective, um, which is, wow. Um, so maybe if, if time allows or if we... 
Yeah, can I just say that I can't believe that Stephanie Meyer wrote Life and Death instead of finishing Midnight Sun. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Personal betrayal. Um, Do I, am I glad Life and Death exists? Yes. Yes, Will I die bitter about Midnight Sun not being finished? Absolutely. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. So our our hope is to, we're going to read this for the first time. Um, It's, you know, a large-ish book, so we're going to uh, read it to ourselves off air and then come back and talk about it with each other for the first time with quotes that we want to talk about, etc. And we don't really know what that's going to look like, so neither do you. Yep, so we will figure that out as we go, and we're having fun. In the meantime, meantime, (laughs) shout out to my brother Gabe for letting us use his recording studio equipment. Shout out to her brother Gabe for letting me live in the basement. Well, he's not letting me. Shout out to uh, Sam's parents for letting me live in their basement, (laughs) and um, which so happens to be also Gabe's recording studio. So shout out to Gabe for letting me sleep in the stew. (laughs) Yeah, we should also mention that we have a Twilight Tumblr that we co-run called Bowling Shirt Bellas, bowlingshirtbellas.tumblr.com, bowling as in bowling pins and the sport, bowling balls. The bowling shirt that Bella wears yeah. in the first movie that's iconic and very important to me as a person. Yeah. So check that out if you wish. So for now, we'll sign off. That's all forks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Gender Forking. To stay updated about the podcast or to contact us, follow us on Twitter at at Gender Forking or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Gender Forking. For more Twilight content from us, you can follow our blog at bowlingshirtbellas.tumblr.com. If you haven't read Life and Death and you aren't reading along at home, visit bowlingshirtbellas.tumblr.com slash genderforking for plot summaries and more information about the text. For other inquiries, you can email us at bowlingshirtbellas at gmail.com. The music you are hearing is Thursday and Snow Reprise by Blank Kit.